Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Employment Law Matters. This week's episode is on handling employee bereavement. You'll learn about the old legal framework, about the new statutory right to time off for bereavement that came in, as I record this yesterday, the 6th of April 2020. You'll learn about helping with the effects of bereavement, about helping people return to work, and the potential discrimination implications. Just before I start, a quick thank you to CarlyPete88 for this lovely review on iTunes. I have always enjoyed Daniel's email bulletins, but having access to these podcasts has taken things to another level. Convenient to catch up on the latest cases on my commute, and Daniel's style makes them easy to digest. Thank you, Carly Pete. And if you send your name and address to podcast at danielbarnett.co.uk, we'll send you a copy of one of my books as a thank you. And now, handling employee bereavement. Welcome to Employment Law Matters with Barrister Daniel Barnett. From this month, April 2020, all parents are entitled to two weeks paid bereavement leave upon the death of a child under 18. So with this new law, now's a good time for businesses to look at the way they support employees who've suffered a loss. I'll start off by talking about the old legal framework and giving some general comments. An employee who's just been bereaved will usually need time off work. As a good employer, you should be encouraging them to take the time they need, particularly in the early days, and also be prepared to have a conversation with an employee who insists that they want to carry on working. Offering reassurance at that early stage is really important, whether it's simply letting people know that colleagues will pick up their projects or everyone in the organisation will be sympathetic to their position. If they're concerned that they'll lose pay while off work, talk that through with them. There is a long-standing and not specifically bereavement-related right to time off for dependence. Employees have a statutory right from the first day of employment to take a reasonable period of unpaid time off to deal with certain things affecting their dependence. And this includes where a dependent has died and the employee needs to organise the funeral. Think of it as a statutory right to take time off to deal with the difficult matters of post-death formalities, although, of course, it applies in other situations too. Now, this right is unpaid, although you might want to consider offering some pay where that seems the right thing to do. And if the leave is taken using the new statutory right to paid time off for bereavement because of the death of a child under 18 then the employee is legally entitled to pay at the lower of £151.20 a week or 90% of their salary. I'll go into more detail about the new statutory right in a couple of minutes. Note, by the way, if a baby is stillborn at 24 weeks or later, or if a baby dies after birth, the mother is entitled to statutory maternity leave. Some employers will offer paid compassionate leave as a contractual right, so make sure you check the wording of your contract and your policies. Also, think about whether you've allowed others to take paid compassionate leave in the past and whether this particular situation warrants the same. Some employees might want to use up some of their annual leave to get paid following somebody's death. Pay is likely to be a factor, but remember that the purpose of annual leave is to take a break from work, to rest. 
So I don't think an employee should be encouraged to use up their holiday rather than taking other leave following a bereavement. Depending on the circumstances, it's always worth seeing if you can come to some arrangement that preserves the employee's holiday entitlement. There's also sick leave. Grief affects people in different ways and to different extents, and physical and emotional well-being is nearly always at risk. So this means that sick leave commonly follows a bereavement, whether immediately or sometime down the line, and sick pay would apply in the usual way. You can agree the employee takes unpaid leave at any time in addition to other statutory or contractual rights they might have. And sometimes you might want to discuss the option of a career break with an employee who's thinking about stepping away from work altogether, because that might be preferable to losing them from the workforce. So let's talk about statutory bereavement leave. This is the right that came into force on the 6th of April 2020. It's also known as Jack's Law, in memory of 23-month-old Jack Hurd, who died in 2010, and whose mother campaigned for bereaved parents to have the statutory right to leave. The right applies from the first day of employment. It entitles a parent, and parent includes guardians, foster parents, and others with day-to-day -day responsibility for the child. It entitles a parent to take two weeks off work. That time can be taken in a two-week block, or as two separate one-week blocks, within 56 weeks of the child's death. For the right to apply, the child must have been under the age of 18 when they died, which includes being stillborn after 24 weeks. Qualifying employees who've been employed for at least 26 weeks and who earn more than the lower earnings limit, currently £118 per week, are also entitled, as well as the right to time off, to statutory parental bereavement pay. Statutory parental bereavement pay will be the lower figure of £151.20 a week, or 90% of pay. Now this is a move in the right direction and a victory for the campaigners, and Jack's Law gives a solid basis for bereaved parents to step back from work with a certain amount of pressure taken off them. But I'd caution against treating this bereavement leave as the standard approach in all cases. Two weeks leave might be fine for some, but it certainly won't be fine for all. You might need to think about offering more, whether that's more time off and or more pay. Employers and managers in particular sometimes struggle with judging how best to communicate with someone who's been devastated by the loss of a loved one. Should you call them? Should you send flowers? What should you tell the rest of the workforce? Helping your senior people know what to say and what to avoid saying is really important. ACAS has some useful advice on this. ACAS says that it's good practice in the days after an employee's bereavement for a manager to offer their condolences, to make sure the employee knows they're not expected at work, to let the employee know that they must take the time out they need. Work comes second. To have a sensitive conversation with the employee about staying in contact during their absence. Would they prefer phone or email? Are there times when the employee wouldn't want to be contacted? 
to avoid pressuring the employee into making decisions. They might not be in the best frame of mind. To check whether the employee would like colleagues to be told about their bereavement, and if so, what information should be passed on. Remember to treat information about the employee's situation as private under data protection legislation. Stick to the facts. To think carefully about how you'll deal with employees whose religion or culture has certain mourning rituals or other requirements around bereavement. And to keep the dialogue around returning to work open, although it's probably not appropriate to raise returning to work too early on in the first days after the bereavement. But later on, do discuss with the employee your policy on bereavement, how they're coping, when they might return to work, and any adjustments such as a phased return that might help. Once the employee has returned to work, monitor their well-being and any new arrangements that have been put in place to help them. One particularly difficult situation is where someone's husband or wife or partner has died and the employee has to take on more significant childcare responsibilities. Perhaps they find they need to reduce their hours or to work flexibly in order to do the school runs. There may be money worries that come from losing the financial input of a close family member. Maybe they've become responsible for caring for their elderly in-laws. Be prepared to provide all reasonable support, which can include paying for bereavement counselling, as well as making sure there's someone in your organisation that the employee knows they can turn to. Also be mindful of the ways in which different people can be affected by grief, from anger and volatility to becoming quiet and withdrawn. And these things can last for a long time and they might change as months and years pass. It's important that if conduct and performance issues are to be addressed, the bereavement's taken into account. And there are, it has to be remembered, potential discrimination issues. Disability discrimination. Grief can lead to conditions that could be classed as disabilities under the Equality Act, such as anxiety, depression and post-traumatic stress disorder. The duty to make reasonable adjustments will therefore apply, although I don't think employers should see this duty as being limited to technically disabled employees. Any employee who's struggling with bereavement should be supported. It's important to liaise with occupational health. See Employment Law Matters episode 28 on making an occupational health referral, it's important to liaise with occupational health and perhaps also with the employee's GP to get a full understanding of their condition and the ways in which their working conditions and terms of employment could be adapted to suit them better. Think about flexible working, home working, part-time working. Could you reorganise some of their work to take some pressure off? Can you identify things that trigger grief-related symptoms, such as travel to a particular area. Consider giving the employee some slack in terms of absence by taking account and maybe disregarding bereavement absence when looking at attendance figures. But if there's a point where all reasonable adjustments have been exhausted and your business simply cannot absorb the employee's ongoing pattern of absence, good communication is crucial. You've got to be clear, ranging from let's talk about what we can do to help through to unless your attendance improves over the next few months, we won't be able to keep on employing you. 
clear communication is vital. So there's the potential of disability discrimination and reasonable adjustments. There's also religion or belief discrimination that might, just might be triggered. Where an employee's religion specifies certain bereavement requirements, for example, a fixed period of mourning, you'd need to objectively justify a refusal to allow them time off work to observe that. Otherwise, it could be indirect discrimination. Having a clear basic position on handling employee bereavement is a good starting point, but there must be flexibility to deal with individual circumstances as they arise. No two bereaved employees will be affected in exactly the same way, nor will the support you offer one necessarily be useful or appropriate to the other. The important thing is that employees who are dealing with loss feel supported and know where to turn, and that your overall management of each employee's situation is reasonable. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this episode helpful. If you don't subscribe to these podcasts, please do subscribe. Search for Employment Law Matters on your podcast store and subscribe or go to www.danielbarnett.co.uk slash podcast. I'm Daniel Barnett from Outer Temple Chambers. Thank you for listening. Any information on this podcast is for general guidance only. Always seek legal advice. Please see full terms at www.danielbarnett.co.uk forward slash podcast terms.